Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're sharing part three of our series about the fair opportunity process. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Becoming a Skyway community member makes it easier to navigate the complicated world of government contracting because you gain context from Skyway's team of former contracting officers. Go to skywaymember.com to get started with a personal membership because without context, you're likely overlooking problems that you don't see. Okay, let's get started. This is part three of our Path to Fair Opportunity series. Yeah, the, the series that started out with one episode that then broke into four, and now I'm not convinced we can cram it into four. There's a lot in here. In part one, we sorted out the differences between FAR Part 15 acquisitions and FAR Part 16. In short, FAR Part 15, Contracting by Negotiation, is the rule set for, among other things, the source selection stuff that we talk about in many episodes. And FAR 16.5 is the other side, which is the IDIQ contracts and the multiple award IDIQ contracts specifically. In part two, we talked about the ordering process. There are two clauses that govern how orders are placed. And the other key factor is that when there's a conflict between the task order or delivery order contract, then the IDIQ contract rules. In this episode, part three, we're going to dig into how orders are competed between IDIQ, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity, contract holders. So there's multiple companies that have essentially the same scope in their IDIQ contract. And the bottom line is that all orders must be given a fair opportunity, in quotes. That's where this whole thing started. And this is how the work is won. Getting the IDIQ contract, that's the first step. And then you have to win the work by competing with the other IDIQ holders. This is the step that counts. Before we get started, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks this week to Kevin Conlon from DCI Resources. DCI is an information technology consulting services firm in New Haven, Connecticut. I want to say thanks to Kevin for liking and sharing our podcast content on LinkedIn. The best way for people to find us is for people like Kevin to share the podcast content. And for some context on why people sharing the content matters. At the end of 2016, our podcast hosting service, they give us data on how many listeners we have. And at the end of 2016, we had 300 consistent listeners. At the end of 2018, two years later, we have over 1,400 listeners, and that's out of over 6,000 downloads a week. And that happens, that more than 4x increase in, in listeners happens because of people like Kevin sharing our content. Thanks, Kevin, and thanks to Buzzsprout for being our podcast hosting service. Let's get back to Fair Opportunity. This episode, we're talking about competitions under multiple award IDIQ contracts. So it's a competition for the task order or delivery order. If you aren't clear on those terms, we have previous episodes where we've talked about multiple award IDIQs and placing orders. Today, we're getting into the fair opportunity process, this competition process. We're going to talk about the application of the fair opportunity process and shalls, shoulds, and best practices in the fair opportunity process. 16505B1 talks about fair opportunity application. 16505B1, little i, says, in essence, the contracting officer must provide each awardee a fair opportunity to be considered for each order 
exceeding $3,500 under multiple award contracts, except except when they don't have to provide fair opportunity, and that's the sole source thing that we'll talk about somewhere else. For the purposes of this episode, you have to give everyone fair opportunity. Subparagraph II says, The contracting officer may exercise broad discretion in developing appropriate order placement procedures and should keep submission requirements to a minimum. Let's stop and absorb that. <laughs> yeah, think about that for a second. Broad discretion to develop whatever order placement procedures that you'd like. And it's telling you right there, don't make industry submit giant proposals that take forever to evaluate. Keep submission requirements to a minimum. It even says contracting officers may use streamlined procedures, including oral presentations. It goes on to say the competition requirements in FAR Part 6, where it talks about exceptions to full and open competition, and the policies in Subpart 15.3, which is the source selection procedures, the big procedures that we've talked about in a whole bunch of episodes, those competition requirements and, and source selection procedures do not apply to the ordering process under FAR 16.505. So we go back to the original point that started the fair opportunity discussion. Somebody said, what's the difference between a FAR 15 source selection and FAR 16.5 multiple award fair opportunity? This paragraph kind of sums it up. Number one, there's broad discretion. Number two, the submission requirements should be at a minimum. And number three, the competition requirements don't apply. And number four, it explicitly states that FAR 15.3, which is the source selection procedures, the grandiose source selection procedures, do not apply to the ordering process. Now, does this mean that it's the Wild West, you do whatever you want? No, that's what the rest of this part is about. But that is a key difference that is why four episodes might not be enough <laughs> to explain the usefulness of fair opportunity. 16505B1 does require the contracting officer to do a few things. It says that the contracting officer must develop order placement procedures that will provide each awardee a fair opportunity to be considered for each order and that reflect the requirement and other aspects of the contracting environment. So that's the whole title of the section. You have to give everyone a fair opportunity with respect to the actual requirement and everything else that's going on. So fair is not just a blanket statement of it has to be the same all the time. It's fair when compared to the requirement that you're buying and what's going on in the contracting world. Then the subjectivity of the phrase reflect the requirement and other aspects of the contracting environment. What does that even mean? <laughs> that basically means judgment all over the place. Yeah, you shouldn't just say fair opportunity in under this multiple word IDIQ means this, and I'm going to do this exactly the same for every task order or delivery order issued under here. That's kind of the opposite of the fair if you do it exactly the same for everyone. Yeah, it's a, it's a thinking job. The second thing on the list is a CO must not use any method, such as allocation or designation of a, any preferred awardee, that would not result in fair consideration being given to all awardees. In other words, they can't do a round robin and say, oh, it's your turn to get the award. You don't just line them up and say one after another, you each get one. That's not the intent. That's not fair opportunity. That's just random selection. It actually has to be some type of competition. It also says the contracting officer must tailor the procedures to each acquisition. Must. This is a thinking job. You must tailor the procedures to each. So you can't just set up a system 
and follow the exact same rules every time. You have to think about what you're buying and tweak it each time. Next, it says the contracting officer must include the procedures in the solicitation and the contract. So no changing the rules afterwards. In order to be fair, you have to set up the procedures of this is how we're going to compete task orders and delivery orders under the contract. And then you have to do that. Last thing we'll mention, it says the contracting officer must consider the price or cost under each order as one of the factors in the selection decision. So that's not a surprise. That's the same as everywhere else in the FAR. Price or cost always has to be an evaluation factor. So that's how the fair opportunity process is applied. Let's talk about some of the shalls buried in this section of the FAR. 16505B1IIIA <laughs> says each order exceeding the simplified acquisition threshold. Which is $150,000. Currently, yes. Each order exceeding the simplified acquisition threshold shall be placed on a competitive basis unless supported by a written determination to not compete it. I'm not talking about that part today. So if it's over the simplified acquisition threshold, you have to compete. Next, paragraph B of this section says for task orders or delivery orders over $5.5 million, the contracting officer shall include the following at a minimum in the fair opportunity proposal request. So this is important. Between $150,000 and $5.5 million, there aren't a lot of requirements about what that competition needs to look like. Over $5.5 million, it starts to get a little more prescriptive. Contracting officer shall include A, a notice of the task or delivery order that includes a clear statement of the agency's requirements. So no surprise, you have to clearly say, here's the requirements. B, you have to give the contractors a reasonable response period. You can't say proposals due tomorrow. Depending on how much information you're asking for and how complex the requirement is, you have to give them enough time to actually respond. And the definition of reasonable, it's a judgment call. How do you know what's reasonable? Maybe ask. Yeah, and in, in the context of this IDIQ, what's reasonable? Ask the contractors. They will let you know. The contracting officer also has to include the significant factors and subfactors, including cost or price, that the agency expects you to consider in evaluating the proposals and their relative importance. So this sounds a lot like FAR 15 now. You have to tell them what you're going to evaluate them on and what's most important to you. Paragraph D says, where award is made on a best value basis, which again, that's a FAR 15 language, a written statement documenting the basis for award and the relative importance of quality and price and cost factors. The government is required to explain their basis for award. And lastly, paragraph E requires the government to give contractors an opportunity for a post-award debriefing in accordance with paragraph B6, which is later on. We're not going to get into what that debriefing consists of, but you should know that it looks just like a FAR Part 15 debriefing. So it's important to think about the thresholds here. Between the simplified acquisition threshold and $5.5 million, not much structure. Over $5.5 million, some structure comes in. But even though you have to offer these competitors a post-award debriefing where you explain to them why they didn't win this one, it is still not protestable. If you go back to the first episode in this series, we talked about how the fair opportunity process does not allow for protests unless the order is over $10 million for most agencies or over $25 million for the Department of Defense, NASA, or the Coast Guard. 
So there's a gap there between $5.5 million and either 10 or $25 million where the government will tell you, here's why you didn't win, and you're still not allowed to protest. So now you know why you may see a $9.5 million order. <laughs> not that anyone ever crafts their requirements around those thresholds. Yeah, yeah, just like just like we never did $49 million IDIQs because the $50 million review threshold kicked in. <laughs> right. All right, let's get <laughs> off shells and go to the shoulds. 16505B1VA, so Roman numeral 5A. The contracting officer should consider the following when developing the procedures for competitions under the fair opportunity process. Should consider past performance on earlier orders under the contract, including quality, timeliness, and cost control. And this is not past performance in the whole world. This is past performance of a contractor in context of earlier orders under this IDIQ contract. So it's specific to how well they performed on this contract. Doesn't say you can't consider other past performance, but if you want to keep this thing streamlined, stick to the IDIQ. Second thing this contracting officer should consider is the potential impact on other orders placed with the contractor. Yeah, if they've got three or four in a row that they happen to win, you should consider what's that going to do to the mission perspective. Will it impact their ability to deliver? Next, consider minimum order requirements. This one's tricky. It's tricky because the government's required to meet that minimum order over the life of the contract. So it's a should because you don't have to give them a contract right away. You can make sure that they get it at some point. And so it's a judgment call of, of if they haven't gotten their minimum order yet and we're coming up on the end of the first year of performance, well, it might be the time to consider it. The contracting officer also should consider the amount of time contractors need to make informed business decisions on whether to respond to potential orders. This is sort of a competition limiting action here. If you give a very, very short window to respond to the fair opportunity proposal request, you might not be treating all the contractors in a fair manner. And, and this takes communication to make sure that, that the government has context on how much time do they need to decide. Last thing, the contracting officer should consider whether contractors could be encouraged to respond to potential orders by outreach efforts to promote exchanges of information. Huh, sound familiar? Such as seeking comments from two or more contractors on draft statements of work. Why two or more? Because if you just ask for comments from one, they're going to write comments back to you that bias the competition towards a word to them. If you include two or more, then the bias kind of cancels itself out in the process. And keep in mind, it doesn't say seeking comments from all contract holders. Right. That is a huge difference from FAR Part 15, where you can't ask two offers. You have to talk to all of them, hence the reason that FAR 15 takes longer. But in this case, you can select which two that you want to talk to. Huge difference. It also recommends using a multi-phased approach when the proposal effort is going to be resource intensive. So you don't want all the contractors that are under this multiple award IDIQ to submit giant proposals. You do some type of downselect before you get things started for real. And then in that downselect, it actually says, the contractor is most likely to submit the highest value solutions are then selected for one-on-one -on -one sessions with the government to increase their understanding of the requirement. That basically says you can cherry pick which ones you talk to. Let's say you have 10 contract holders and three of them are exceptionally good at whatever this task is. You only have to talk to those three 
And you only have to get proposals from those three and have one-on-one sessions from those three. That's inherently different than FAR Part 15. It's a lot faster. It's a lot more like traditional business works. And one could argue it's probably more effective because the companies that know they can't win it, they'd rather not waste the time talking to you about how they'd submit a proposal that they can't win. As long as you can document how that process is fair, you're good. Where does this fit in the acquisition and execution time zones? During the life of the IDIQ contracts, this is in the performance zone where you're competing orders and performing on the orders. But remember that each task order or delivery order flows through its own complete acquisition time zones and execution time zones inside that IDIQ. We could call them the fair opportunity zones, but that's a whole different podcast episode. It's important to understand the way that orders are competed under multiple word IDIQs because these competitions are actually how the work gets done. This is how the IDIQ contract holders actually win the work, not just win the right to compete for the work like they did when they were awarded the IDIQ. The ordering process can be, and it should be, it's simple and, and easy in quotes, but without clear communication, it can lead to a lot of frustration because if you don't understand what's going to happen or how you're going to win, it's easy to get frustrated. Or we could end up bloating it so that it ends up feeling like an entire source selection all over again. Fair opportunity is required. But both terms, fair and opportunity, are rife for open interpretation. Fair is, is sort of a four-letter word in government contracts. It's really tough to define unless you're the winner, in which case you think it's fair because you won. And everyone else who competed and lost probably thinks it wasn't fair. And imagine the context of that when you can't protest it. In an environment of open communication, like we always talk about on the podcast, these competitions under the fair opportunity process should result in efficient acquisitions. There's fewer shalls than there are in FAR Part 15 source selections. There are fewer but, but better qualified competitors. You have a pool of folks who you have already sort of down-selected as these are the multiple board IDIQ holders that can do this type of work. You don't have to compete amongst everyone. And most importantly for efficiency, you get repetitions in the fair opportunity proposal request process. Unlike FAR Part 15 source selections where each one is custom, you're probably using lessons learned and, and some templates from previous competitions, but the team involved might be different each time. In the fair opportunity process, you're likely using the same team members for each FOPR and for each evaluation, or if not the same, a subset of the same group of people that are doing this over and over. So you get the actual learning and the lessons learned. You get better and better at writing the FOPRs and at evaluating the proposals. Remember here, I'm talking about a perfect world where everyone's doing this as efficiently as possible. In the wrong hands, this process can be subverted to be indistinguishable from a FAR Part 15 source selection. It, it, it's funny. In the wrong hands, it's like a super weapon. It can be used for good or evil. Let's get specific on the government side. Why does the government care about this process? 16505 is written to make this process easier. The challenge is you have to resist the temptation to bloat the process and make it feel a lot like FAR Part 15. And we talked about in the previous episodes, when you grow up in FAR Part 15, and, and again, 16505 is not new. It's just if your agency doesn't use multiple award IDIQ contracts as much, you get used to managing acquisitions through FAR Part 15. And so as a result, you tend to add more steps. So we have to be careful we don't force the FAR Part 15 feel 
into the into our acquisition. As a contracting officer, I wish I had thought in defense of those in my review chain who are trying to force me to make it look like FAR Part 15, I could point them to all these things in 16505 that we've discovered that make it clearly obvious that it's not supposed to look like FAR Part 15. Multiple award IDAQ contracts, they're great tools, but they got to be managed properly. When I was a contracting officer, I had two scenarios. Both were down selects under a multiple award IDIQ. By the competition process inherent in the multiple award IDIQ, we already knew which company was likely to win. However, because the lawyers who were reviewing these large acquisitions thought that we needed to have a final proposal revision from every offer, just like we did under FAR Part 15, we ended up creating work for ourselves because we had to then evaluate those proposals from the companies that weren't as likely to win. And oh, by the way, they had to write them. All because the instinct of all of us, including the lawyers, was to make it look like FAR Part 15. So use 16505 to push back on that process and realize this is a very open thinking process. You, you can cut out steps that are uncuttable, <laughs> that, are unel- that cannot be eliminated from FAR Part 15. You can cut them out in 16505 and get stuff done faster. And as a junior contracting officer or even a mid-level contracting officer, you might not feel like you have the authority to push back on the lawyers when they say that. But if you point them to the FAR and say, look, 16505 says we don't have to have final proposal revisions and everything will be all right. And they can't even protest it, even if we do it wrong. They're going to have trouble arguing against the FAR. I did the same thing, Kevin. I didn't push back on those kind of things enough. From the industry side, the fair opportunity process is a mixed blessing. Companies can't afford to be on every IDIQ. You can't afford to submit proposals and then manage the resulting process for every IDIQ. But you can't afford to not be on the IDIQ that your target customer uses or, or moves to. I was helping one of our clients with an opportunity and the agency had moved a large amount of work from what had always been the multiple award contract inside their agency. They moved it from being a IDIQ contract with their agency to being on a GSA small business multiple award. All of a sudden, if you weren't on that GSA small business schedule, you aren't eligible to bid. Ouch. Now the people who were on that small business IDIQ were suddenly rock stars because they had access to work that they didn't even know existed in some cases, but because they got moved over there, they they were the ones everybody wanted to, to team up with. It's funny how that plays out. But if you don't know where the work's going, you literally could leave and, and again, not be put on FBO, not be published. You'd have no idea where it went. It just went away. The multiple award process comes with risks because if the government doesn't place orders against the IDIQ or doesn't use it as much as they expected to, then industry has spent a lot of time and money competing for what is really an empty shell. The opposite is if the government awards the IDIQ to many primes, then the process ends up resembling a full and open competition. If there are a thousand IDIQ holders, you might as well be competing with everybody just like you do on FedBizOps. All right, Kevin, this one's going long. Let's wrap it up here before we have a seven-part series. (laughs) On the government side, don't bloat the fair opportunity procedures. The point of the IDIQ was to have fewer steps, so let's make sure that happens. On the industry side, IDIQs are are pretty popular right now. They're an easier and faster way to award, as we've talked about. With shrinking resources, the government teams are going to be looking for the path of least resistance. 
I used multiple award IDIQs because they were a path of least resistance. They allowed me to award contracts faster through a smaller pool of offers. Of qualified offers, well-qualified offers. Exactly. Of pre-qualified offers. I'll wrap up by saying winning the IDIQ is the first step. Now come the foppers. This process has fewer formal competition requirements, and that means that communication with the acquisition office is even more essential. If you want to talk about the 80-20 rule, the process versus the relationships, this is where the relationships start to matter more and more. Yeah, the, the process has mostly been done by the large IDIQ, the overarching contract. So now it can be 60% relationship or 75% relationship within these foppers. Because it's streamlined, your shaping efforts have much more immediate effect. And with that, I'll talk to you later, Kevin. <laughs> See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. If you're struggling with the fair opportunity process, go to askskyway.com because Skyway Acquisition helps companies like yours. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.